I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase your dreams, black man. And get that cream, black man, we the original man. This is Iron Mike Stedman, and you're listening to Confessions of a Native Son, a black veteran's perspectives on race, culture, and business. Today on the show, I'm joined by my longtime friend and Naval Academy classmate, Alana Abernathy to discuss our book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. Validate your business model, build your brand, and step into your greatness. The book releases this month on Amazon, so Alana and I decided to jump on the podcast and talk about our journey, bringing it to life, as well as our plans for the future. Hope you all enjoy. Alana, my friend, confidant, co-author, classmate, right? Know, All that fellow veteran. It's glad yes, to have you. Mike. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. And you know what I was, you know, before we went live, I was telling you of like, I haven't recorded an episode of uh, Confessions of a Native Son in like three months. So I'm glad yeah. to have you on and getting me going again as we talk about uh, Black Veteran Entrepreneur and the process of writing this damn book. Yeah, Mike, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for that warm welcome. I'm hyped now. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, and I'm glad to glad we're back into this. Glad you're back into this. And we got a lot to talk about. Well, let's start off by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. I know we got a lot of classmates that tune into the show. You know, my personal friend network, they all know you. But we got people tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. And I'm sure when I start posting about the book, they're like, who the heck is Alana? <laughs> yeah, I I get that. I get that. So I, you said classmate. You threw out a lot of um, titles there, and that's one of them. We went to the Naval Academy together. Uh, so I graduated from the Naval Academy 2010 Invictus. And yeah, I've been serving the last, what is it, 12 years in the Navy as a surface warfare officer. And yeah, as I was coming to the tail end of that, I've always been passionate about writing. It starts with poetry, which if you look into a lot of writers, a lot of writers start with poetry. It's one of the more, I think, natural forms of writing when people are trying to express themselves. So I've always written, love reading, writing poetry. And in the last couple of years, I was like, hey, what am I doing with all this? I have all these poems, all these writings, all this perspective to share with people. And I was like, so I'm going to do it. So I published some books. Uh, it felt great. Uh, the fact that I did that during my department head tour <laughs> is, uh, was interesting timing. But yeah, I'm a person who loves to write. I love to read. I love to help people. And I love to tell stories. Now, me and Alana have been friends since like <laughs> 20. I can't even say technically I got to play with a friend. What time frame did we actually become friends? Ooh, Mike, I literally was thinking about this the other day. And you'll see it in the forward of the book, kind of the telling of it. I don't know. Because I don't want to say a time that was maybe after or before you thought we were friends. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think it was, I think yeah. plead you at the Naval Academy. But see, yeah. me and Alana went to prep school together and yeah. we could not stand each other. Yeah. And I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm confess, right? This is why. I was a little I goofy. I was a little goofy, right? <laughs> and you know, like, there's just not a lot of black people in general, you know, when you go to the prep school. 
There's probably more black people at the prep school than there are at the actual Naval Academy. True. But I don't know True. what it was, but like I said something in class one day. It was like our English class. It was an English class, something. yes. You said something back to me, and I was like, why are you getting on me or whatever? And you just gave me the look of, like, fire. Like, you wanted to take my head off. And from that point on, I just remember that entire year at Naps, there was just this, like, heated tension. It was just understood between me and you that, like, yo, we do not speak my language. We don't fuck with each other. No. And I I appreciate your confession that you were a little goofy. I'll give my confession. I was a little mean. Okay? (laughs) So... And it was like oil and water. But I love the time frame you picked. That's what I would pick. When we got to the academy, you know, it's we're young. We're transitioning into a world outside the world we lived in for our whole life and stuff. So it was a lot going on. But it all smoothed out when we got to the academy. And I appreciated that. I think about that. I think what it is, too, is like you probably had to have your guard up, too. It's like a black female in this Ooh. environment all the way home. So you're trying to you're probably screening us. Like the brother's like, yo, can I rely on this guy? Is he going to re- yeah. protect me? Or is he going to be running around with all these other, you know, goofy ass dudes around here and I got to <laughs> watch my back, you know? I will say like, yeah, that's a major consideration. Just not out in the world as a woman uh, in my experience, but also in the military specifically. It's definitely a, an even deeper cultural um, change to things and things that you got to consider. So, yeah, that was definitely a part of it. But once we got and to I was the just a little, and I was just a little mean. <laughs> yeah. And once we, she was mean, y'all. She, I'm telling y'all, <laughs> she, gave me, she gave me that look like, why are you talking? Like, why are you here? Why are you breathing? I was like, damn, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to be great. I'm trying to go to the Naval Academy, you know? Um, <laughs> but it is what it is. We're here now. We are. And what it was, was once we got to the Academy, we had our little group, the X, right? And that yes, was when yeah. all the uh, uh, black midshipmen, you know, I'm going to say all of us, those of us, most of us were not recruited athletes. <laughs> you know, most <laughs> of us, we kind of came together that weren't recruited athletes. Um, and we uh, formed this this group called the X and we just rolled, you know, super tight our freshman year. Um, and that's when I like to think me and Alana got cool. And then over the years, you know, she's been a big supporter of everything I've done from fighting mojo to Ironbound, you know, came out here to the opening of the Ironbound Boxing Academy. And so when I was doing the book, you know, I came with the idea for Black Veteran Entrepreneur. I feel like I hit you up from the very beginning, just talking yeah. about writing, because I knew you had published your poetry book. I bought it. Yeah. Um, your name had come up a couple times um, and I knew you had an English background. And so finally, we just kind of started to get serious about it because you and I have always bounced ideas off each other. Always. But, yeah. Over all the years. I, but with this book, I was like, yo, Alana, I'm, we're going to write this book and I think we can do it together. Yeah, I remember the conversation. I wish I could remember the time frame. I'm usually super honed in on like um, details for major things like that. But I remember you calling and you said, I was having a conversation with Natalie Logan yeah. and your name came up. Yep. And you were like, and your name came up. And I had this idea and you told me about BVE. You told me about how you want to approach it. Newsletter, book. You told me the whole idea. And I was on board from the jump. Like all you have to say is the word. Let's go. And then uh, I was actually looking through our text messages because, you know, I like to grab details and points to like ro- like make our story robust in our newsletter and stuff. And um, I remember one of the texts you sent me was like, I need your skill set. What am I supposed to say that? No, like, of course. Right. What do you need? I'm here to help. And yeah, it's grown from there. And it's been 
so eye-opening for me on so many levels, such a growth moment, a growth journey. And I appreciate that initial phone call you gave me. So before we talk some more about the book, we got to go ahead and take off. I, I was, I'm going to say take off our armor because I have another show, mm. The Transition, and I always talk yeah. about taking off our armor. But this is okay. confessions, of a na- confessions of a Native Son, and yeah. we give our confessions. All right. So mm-hmm, Alana, mm-hmm. what is your confession? <laughs> oh, we're starting with mine? Yeah. <laughs> My confession. Okay. Okay. In full transparency, we kind of dipped into our confessions a little bit before we started recording. And I said mine. It was the first thing that came to mind. And then you said yours. And I was like, no, I don't want to say mine anymore because I was like, it's vulnerable. It's deep. But I think it's something people can relate to. Um, and if not specifically vulnerability and the things that we like struggle with or battle with within ourselves. And for me, it is imposter syndrome, which I don't know if people who know me or, you know, worked with me or in the Navy and throughout my journey would ever pick that up from me. And it really didn't really show out much there because I was always comfortable um, as a leader as far as those skills and what I've developed over the years. Um, But this transition out of the Navy. So I'm, I'll be retiring in October, October 28th, uh, medical retirement. And I've decided to fully shift into my passion and my creativity. Would have had every opportunity to, you know, do the corporate thing, do the high tempo intensity, just pretty much shifting into another culture that's exactly like the Navy, right? Which is what I didn't want to do. I have passions that lie outside of that. And they're the more personal side of what I've been doing for the last however many years of my life. And I I have imposter syndrome when it comes to stepping into that world, even though now I know I'm more than capable. I know I have the talent. I know I have the creativity. I know I have the tools from the Navy that help me be organized and driven and project management and all those things. But that imposter syndrome, that voice is still there, um, kind of nagging at me. And, you know, it comes up in our conversations because I'll be like, Mike, you know, I don't know. Or Mike, you know, what about this? Or Mike, what about that? And you're like, Alana, like, stop. <laughs> like, you got it. Like, it's, and so that's one of the first things I shared with you. I was pretty transparent with you in that first conversation is that I had that that going on. And you were like, nah, you're good. <laughs> you're more than good. Like, let's rock, let's roll. And I appreciate that. And you've helped me a lot with that and reframing that battle within myself. So that is my confession. I struggle with imposter syndrome, um, but I am a work in progress and I'm, I'm dealing with it. <laughs> I appreciate you for sharing and being vulnerable. And I've been thinking a lot about imposter syndrome, right? Because mm. a part of the battle is recognizing it for what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and where it's coming from. But one of the things I've noticed, like anytime I feel it, I feel like I'm in an element where it's something new or I'm on the edge of my own competency. So, you know, becoming a business coach with the lion's pride, right. You know, I can see the imposter. Right. But like, I actually, like, I see it, right. I can see how your mind, my mind can go there and feeling like an imposter, you know, as like a business coach, but at the same time, like I really know my shit and my confidence is growing. So it keeps the imposter at bay. But when you don't know your stuff yet, because you're still learning and it's Mm -hmm. so new you don't have that confidence to fall on and be like, oh, this is a piece of cake. You know, exactly. like this is my 50th book, right? You know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> I think about 
the first time it really hit me as an imposter, honestly, was when I was in the brigade boxing championships my freshman year. You really? Know? I was like, yo, me? You know, I was like, I'm the only thing standing between this guy in a brigade box. I'm like a fraud, you know? Um, and I just remember thinking that even making it to the finals. But, you know, I feel like anytime we're at the edge of our own competencies and we're uncomfortable mm. or we're going through some kind of transition, people that are doing hard stuff, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. that imposter syndrome is there. And so, you know, the power comes from recognizing it, calling it what it is, and coming up with a plan to address it. What does that mean? Attacking it head on and saying, mm -hmm. like, I feel like an imposter, so I'm going to read, like, 10 books. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I'm just going to work harder. You know, nobody cares. Just work harder and do the work. What I like what you said, and I think it is important, and is what just being a sponge around you through this whole process that I internalize and it's not till you just said it that I realized that's what it was is it's the confidence factor. So not only do I, there are certain things I'm going to work on that I just to know the business of writing, the business of publishing and, you know, going to Columbia obviously is going to help that and get into that world and saturate myself like I was in the Navy for the last 17 years. But the thing is to find what I'm confident in to find what is my strength because I already have those things now not everything do I need to learn. And one of the biggest things is I believe in my power as a storyteller. I think I believe that I do that exceptionally well. And so I just, when I feel that imposter kind of rising up, I fall back to what am I doing? And I'm telling stories and I do that very well. And that, that helps me uh, manage that as you manage, we're talking about you manage yours. And it helps me manage that and to refocus on bolstering up the rest of the skills that I need, but recognizing that I am by no means an imposter. So that's been super helpful. And I appreciate that. So for my confession, oh, and it yeah. goes back oh. to something I talked about in a previous episode about moving the goalpost of, I don't really think it's a big deal. I wrote a book, right? And I forget <laughs> sometimes that I wrote it. Cause I'm just mm -hmm. on to the next thing. I'm running Ironbound Media. You know, I'm starting a new book. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I want to tell a story real quick to put it in context, right? So, yeah. Alana, do you know Daryl Hunter? Did you know Daryl Hunter, my frat yeah. brother? Yeah. All right. So my frat brother passed away last year yeah. uh, unexpectedly, and I went out to his funeral, right? And at his celebration of life, you know, all the bros, you know, we're meeting for drinks and everything, you know, after the funeral and every stuff, just kind of telling stories about Daryl. And one of my frat brothers had on a shirt that said Omega Man with the Masters, right? And I was like, yo, that shirt is fire. And then it hit me. I got a Masters too. You know? <laughs> and what it did was it took me back to a point in my life when I was a black kid living with my mom, you know, having shitty grades, right? And a Masters degree seemed like such a big deal, you know, yeah. like first you got to go to college, graduate college. And then this idea of getting a master's and mind you at this time, like when I was younger, I wasn't known for being a good student. Like that's not what I was known for. I didn't have any strong kind of academic prowess. Right. So mm -hmm. for a lot of us growing up, man, that was a big deal to our parents, to the community, to go to college and get these advanced degrees. Right. And then I saw that shirt and I was like, damn, man, it just kind of took me back and was like, yo, I got a master's. Right. Yeah. And so when I got the book back from the publisher, you know, for copy edit and all this other stuff, I was like, oh, I wrote a book, you know. Um, and and I don't know if it's because I'm just so driven. Right. Mm -hmm. 
But like I have done some things in my life that I just sometimes need to slow down and be appreciative of. I mean, including this podcast or whatever. Like I've got like three podcasts, you know. Some people watch one. I got like three podcasts where I wrote a book. You know, people always like, Mike, you're doing big things, you're doing big things. But for me, it's just like, you know, my routine, like I'm probably the easiest guy to get jacked in Newark. You know, I go to work out at my gym the same time every morning. I go to the same coffee shop, ate at the same restaurant. They're like, oh, he's coming out of CrossFit at 710. Get ready. You know? I was about to say, you're going to have to switch that up, Mike. You know that. But um, sometimes it can make you, you know, not appreciate like the grind and the work and the progress you've made. You know, am I making sense? Yeah, absolutely making sense. And I was talking to you about before we started recording, like how I'm going to announce the book in my own personal world as I step back into the to the world. And um, you're like touching on everything in the way that I was going to announce it because I mentioned my brother and how he always in our conversations, he's like, Alana, you don't give yourself enough credit. He's like, so I'll do it for you, um, which I truly appreciate. And I think you have the same thing is like, you're doing so much, you're accomplishing so much. It may be a combination of you're so driven. And like, once you're done with one thing, you're going to the next. But I think it's also maybe a small portion of it is you don't give yourself enough credit for all that you've done and all that you've accomplished. And we do have to find time and we should find time to sit and enjoy the fruits of our labor. Like that's important because it rejuvenates you, it reinvigorates you, but you've also earned it. You deserved it. So I think it's easily, it's equally as important as the journey is obviously like the destination. You know, I was thinking about there's that what? quote. It's like never meet your heroes, you know, mm. and then you see who they really are. Right. Well, like I knew me. You know what I'm saying? I like, I know I'm, a, I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> like, I know I ain't perfect. Right. So I see stuff and it's like it just don't seem impressive to me. Right. Mm. But to other people and I even feel uncomfortable with my family sometimes when they're introducing me, they'd be like so proud. Oh, you know, yes. like uh, that, you know, when I went to the New York Stock Exchange with my mentor, Brian Rapkin, yeah. that photo went viral amongst my family. They're like, oh, you know, Mike's doing big things. I'm like, listen, man, Brian just hit me up and said, hey, Mike, I would love to have you stand up there with me. Like it was like a proximity thing. And the fact I know him. Right. But it's, you know, people have this perception. And I guess part of it is for us to accept. And it goes mm-hmm. back to your imposter syndrome of like, that is real, though. You know, and that. Yes. And what I was just about to say is you're saying, you know, it's the way you even just expressed that. Oh, he hit me up. I know him. It was proximity. But what brought you to that proximity? Correct. All that you've done, all that you accomplished, who you are as a person, how you are as a person. The, none of those things can be underestimated. And look, I'm talking to you the way I definitely need to be talking to myself. Like, it's just. It didn't happen by happenstance. Yeah. It's been a lot of work over a lot of years that have brought you to these um, these opportunities in your life, and they 100% should be celebrated. So now that we've given our confessions, I'm excited okay. to talk about the book. And I want to take yeah. it back to the origins. To be honest, when I started this podcast, Confessions mm-hmm. of a Native Son, it was an intent to write the book, Confessions of a Native Son, paying yeah. homage to uh, James Baldwin and Richard Wright. 
And in Notes of a Native Son, James Baldwin wrote 10 essays where he just kind of talks through some different nonfiction essays, talks through some stories in his life that really kind of show like his experience as like a black man dealing with mm-hmm. racism in Paris and his relationship with his father and, you know, some of his thoughts on culture and things like that. And so I thought like, oh, I was going to write a book, you know, um, similar, just make it more modern from the perspective of a veteran. But then I was over a couple of mentors house you know, and I was doing the Hoover Institute um, institution thing. Sorry, I don't want to say Hoover Institute. Hoover Institution out at Stanford. And I visited my mentor, Christopher Lockhead. And he was like, Mike, you need to write a book on black veteran entrepreneur, mm. entrepreneurship. And to be honest, right, like I feel like there's a lot to unpack in that first idea. Right. And when I signed up for the Creator Institute, which is the uh, program that we published the book through. Right. I was like, all right. I need to make this first book easy because I tried to write a little of those Confessions of a Native Son essays, but it was like entrepreneurship was fresh on my mind because I'm running Ironbound Media, I'm doing Ironbound Boxing, you know, I'm running the live yeah. show for Bunker Labs. And I was like, I feel like I can write a book about entrepreneurship. And me being the brand guy that I am, a couple of things. One, I'm tired of all these books written on business, but not featuring black authors or black people in general. And in two, general. I was like, I can write a book about black veteran entrepreneurship. Because so many black veterans reach out to me for help. And I was like, I want to just kind of share the lessons I've learned. And the one audience I knew who would be really receptive to what I had to say was uh, black veterans. And so I created mm-hmm. the category of black veteran entrepreneurs, black veteran entrepreneurs. And I was like, all right, we're going to write this book around it. And that was around the time I reached out to you. And initially, the whole idea for BV was going to start out with like a newsletter. Yeah, and then I was yeah. like, no, I'm going to make it a book. Yeah. And I, I, it was amazing to, in those first couple conversations, just to see how that grew and developed in your mind and then how we began to collaborate on it. And we did start it as a newsletter. So um, for everybody listening, it was like an invite only newsletter where we, I mean, we ran that for a good, like, four or five months, uh, pretty hardcore trying to just see if there was a need, which I love is what you've been teaching me and I've learned because we know I can be a planner, right? I'll plan till I think it's perfect and we never get to perfect. And you always tell me, Alana, I'll have an idea on Thursday and I'll launch on Friday because I'm because if I'm going to put all this work and all this stuff into it, I need to know it's a validated idea because not every good idea is a good business idea, right? All this stuff in the book. Yeah. <laughs> and so... um. You were like, we're just going to do it. We're going to throw it out there. We're going to start putting information out there. We're going to start, you know, seeing what resonates with people and where this goes. And so we made it invite only just to be able to um, to do that with BVEs, Black Veteran Entrepreneurs that we uh, figured may be interested. And they were from all levels, people getting started, people who were seasoned, and we asked them for their feedback. And we also looked at the data and we knew we had something. We definitely knew we had something and um, it took off from there and it's turned into this book. One thing for me, right? Like the first time I read Good to Great, I was like, I didn't, there were certain levels of business books out there that Mm -hmm. I didn't really feel like I had the business acumen to truly understand. Mm -hmm. And then I joined the Lions Pride, which is a coaching group I'm a part of and I'm a coach now. And one of the books we had to read was Good to Great. And Bill, my business coach, put it in context for me. And so then I was like, yo, this is a fucking really dope book. And you find out that like all these top CEOs 
read good to great. And I found out about Jim Collins and I started just consuming all his books. Great by choice. Right. So there's some business literature out there. That's like a snack. Right. It's like your hustle porn, porn, work harder. You know what I mean? Like simple stuff. And then there's this kind of like higher level of like business literature. Right. And then for me, like I read all these fucking business books, Audible, you know, I listen to podcasts like I'm a book junkie. I'm that guy that like I basically look up like book TV. You know what I'm saying? Like I see I come up with an idea. Somebody's like, oh, you should read this book. I'll search it. I'll listen to a podcast because I feel like a book is a big investment for me. You know, yeah. or I'll watch a YouTube video of someone talking about it and then I'll read it. And so, you know, I got exposed to Jim Collins and then some of these just kind of higher level thought leaders yeah. in business literature, you know, Harvard Business Review, Eddie Yoon, right? That kind of stuff, right? And I was like, man, I don't really see a lot of us represented. I don't see a lot of our perspectives. And so I wanted to write a book that was beyond just like the superficial story and really mm-hmm. start to share frameworks, Right. And like thinking like at a high level. And so yeah. I thought like this book would be a great start in that process. So I was in my own way emulating a lot of the business literature that I consume that like I can actually implement, like literally the frameworks that they're teaching from Seth Godin to others. And so that was my approach in writing this because, you know, I feel like there are a lot of books out there about, you know, the come up story, you mm-hmm. know, it's about them. But I don't think we have enough books where we're actually sharing frameworks and like, you know, this is how you get your first 10 customers. Um, This is how you build out that marketing plan. This is how you build a brand and stuff, et cetera. So that was my mindset and how I wanted to approach uh, writing this book. And I really appreciate that's the approach that you took. And it's, it's almost a combination, not almost, it is a combination. There's the power of the story there because that is a part of the framework itself. But we take and we streamline that into the how-tos and specific frameworks. And then also tying not only your story and the lessons you've learned, but pulling from other BBEs as well and bringing those two things together in one chapter. And so it's just such a um, well-rounded, we might be biased, (laughs) but it's like such a well-rounded approach because, you know, you you can tell someone the framework of something And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I I need to go through these five steps or this is what exactly what I do. And I think that's good too. And that's what a lot of people are looking for. But there's so much power in showing how someone either succeeded or even failed at it so they can then pull whatever lessons or things they identify with in that story. They can pull those out for themselves too. And so you bring the personal side to something that can seem very sterile when it comes to just a step two-step, three-step, four-step process or framework, you bring that together and it just, it's exponentially more helpful to people. I got to admit though, y'all, this book stressed the hell out of me and I'm pretty sure I stressed (laughs) the hell out of Alana because she's organized. I'm just like sending her random Google Docs, right? So the program, I signed up for the program, right? It was in October. And right at that time, I get in for the Hoover Institution's Veteran Fellowship Program, okay? Let's go. Book. Hoover Institution. I'm still running Ironbound Media, right? And mm-hmm. Ironbound Boxing, right? And I got a personal life, right? So all this is going <laughs> do you, on. Do you Mike? So it's just stuff is just stacking up. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know? And the first half, it was really the Creator Institute was great because we had classes, they gave us frameworks and everything. But then we came back from like vacation and Christmas break, 
And I had like two months to get the first draft in. And the hardest thing about a book, honestly, is the writing process. It's like mm, everything yeah. else, as far as I'm concerned, is a piece of cake, right? Yeah. Compared to like sitting down and writing, right? So we have like two months to get the first draft in. And what do I do? Procrastinate like hell. <laughs> Sham. I'm like 70% done on the, I, don't even, I was probably 50%. Done. I don't even think I had a first draft, be honest <laughs> Like I just had, I had some stuff and I like dumped it on Alana. Right. And then I forgot about it. I got caught up in the busyness. I'm like traveling and stuff. And then the crowdfund campaign happens and they're like, mm -hmm. I got to prep the materials for the crowdfund campaign. And mind y'all, I got a, a virtual assistant. Right. So like I'm in my zone of genius these days. I create content. I write, I talk to people. I'm not uploading documents. I don't, I haven't done that stuff in like a minute. Right. But this crowdfund campaign is super tedious, right? Like, and you got to upload all this stuff. So, like, my eyes twitching the night before <laughs> the crowdfund. And I'm like, first of all, I signed up and I'm committing that, like, we're going to raise, like, $9,500 because I wanted the audio book. I want the hardcover. But, like, I don't know if people are going to support, right? So, I'm, like, stressing. And you know what? That imposter syndrome creeped in. Like, mm -hmm. the night before I hit send on the crowdfund because I was like, I don't know how it's going to be received. Right. Mm. But I just pushed, pushed through, yeah. boom, fired it off. And next thing you know, we raised like $6,500 in the first like 24 hours. Yeah, it, it was. I looked and I said, well, wow, <laughs> if we didn't think we had something before that, that shows right there. Not only were people interested in this, but they're also like very interested in you and what you have to teach and what you have to give and like what you have to show of how you've achieved what you've achieved. Seriously. You know what's interesting about that too? It's like not all the people that bought the book are like black veteran entrepreneurs. No, they weren't. I was like, oh, look at that. And I love that support. And that's, it's important. It's, it's something that's not, it's tailored to BVEs because that's exactly who we are and that's who we can most effectively speak to. And like you said, it's the most untapped resource in America. But also it's something a lot of people can get behind because there's a need to uplift, to uplift that category, to uplift that demographic because of the talents um, that we're all going to bring to the table. Let me tell y'all too. It was all fun and games up until that crowdfund, right? Crowdfund, you know, I'm like, I got to write this book, whatever. The crowdfund goes, I'm like, yo, we raised 6,500. And what I realized was people are actually investing in you. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah, the book, but more so it's like we want to support you. And what I think was over the years, right, I've always been very generous with people, making time for people and stuff like that. And people just came out the woodwork supporting, you know, ordering a thousand dollars worth. So like for me, right, like we raised a lot of our money within the first week. And so like I didn't even feel pressure to try to keep growing the campaign because I was just happy we got enough to cover the book and the audio book. And I was like, OK, that stresses off. I was like, Rana, I was like, Alana, we got to write the fucking book. <laughs> I was like, I got to write, the, I was like, I got to write this book because, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't have stuff down. I had a lot of like words and stuff down, you did, but there yeah. was no, like, you're still making sausage. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I learned during that writing process was like, what is this these? What am I really trying to say? And like, I got to make the book come together. And at first it felt just like a bunch of random thoughts, but over time, it start to come into its own little structure. And I will say this, like, I think for me, the whole general thesis of the book was I have been very visible 
in the veteran entrepreneur space. I meet a lot of black veteran entrepreneurs, West Point grads, enlisted, whatever, like all across the country. And more often than not, nine out of 10 of us want to start a venture to support our community in some way, whether it's the black and brown community or the veteran community. And for me, that's something I want to cultivate. And so that's why I was saying that like, man, yo, if black veteran entrepreneurs get invested in, they can build ventures back in their communities. I'm like, yo, we can create a network effect nationwide. And if I can start, you know, empowering us to kind of do what I've done here in Newark with Ironbound, but do it at scale. Cause every time you do a nonprofit, they're always like, how are you going to scale? How are you going to scale? <laughs> you know? um, and I was like, well, I'll just scale myself, you know, and just teach other black veteran entrepreneurs, you know, how to do something similar. And that was the idea I was going with. And I was like, okay, well, how do I get them there? And so I just mm-hmm. shared my story and I shared all the different frameworks I learned to go from idea to invoice and then tools of the trade that we don't really talk about much in our community about getting a business coach, getting yeah. an advisory board, you know, all this other stuff. I should have had to get a virtual assistant in there, but honestly, we wrote a lot of words, y'all. And I had <laughs> down to like 50,000. But I'm going to say that could be a newsletter. We, we, we couldn't capture everything in this book, but uh, there's newsletters to come, books to come. And it was a great beginning, though, because I think one of the pow- most powerful things we can share with people is one, our story, but two, is our experiences. Because we don't have to struggle. You know, a lot of us, we have struggled a lot because of the world that we live in, because of the society and the nation that we live in. And we don't have to. And we can help each other. We can share knowledge, share experiences, and do exactly what you're doing now and uh, help each other. So the crowdfund ends, what was that? Uh, when was the crowdfund? Like May? May 31st it? it ends? We got to so, like June, no, June. It was like <laughs> June 24th. June was an intense month. <laughs> yeah, to get the final draft in, right? Now I'm traveling for the Lions. Probably a lot going on. Alana, honestly, how stressed were you? Uh, <laughs> I, yes, like you said, I'm organized. I am dates driven, deadline driven. I like to manage out to a deadline, how much you need, you know, spread it out, plan out how much you need to give each day, each week. Woo-wee. And you know, I had a vision. I wanted it to look a certain way. I wanted it to be formatted a certain way, just detail oriented. I was stressed, Mike. I was stressed, <laughs> but it, it was good though. I appreciate the balance of our personalities and I appreciate the balance of our hustles. Like we're both hustlers and we got it done. Like I, I know what I, I felt in the moment I was stressed, but I look back and like I said to you, like we just get it done. Let me tell you what I had to do. There's a coffee shop in my basement. I would get up every morning and I would go to the coffee shop and I would just write and I would write a chapter and I'd send it to Alana. I write a chapter, I will send it to Alana. I write a chapter and I will send it to Alana. Like weekends, like my girlfriend was not happy with me, right? I was like, I got to go to the coffee shop. I got to write. There's a little coffee shop here called Blueprint Cafe. Alana, I, I work out on Saturday mornings. I'm there. I'm eating <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the same spot. Just writing, writing, writing. Because I was like, we got to get this book across the line, right? We made the commitment that we were going to get the draft in on June 24th. So I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. And like, I'm telling y'all, like super stressed. And then like the last five days that we had, I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, staying at a friend's house, right? 
and I was getting up every morning, like the sun is glistening outside. I felt like I was doing a disservice to God by being inside, you know, when this, the weather is so perfect outside, but I was like, I got to get this book. And we finally got it out. And I will tell y'all something. One of my core values at Ironbound Media, and it goes back to what you said, Alana, like you like to be organized and have all this mm -hmm. stuff. Like, don't be afraid to start ugly. That's mm, one of our yeah. core values. Right? My thing is, like, I know long term, this is not going to be the only book I write. I want to write multiple books. Right. So I need to get the pro. I needed to feel that heat and that mm. pain of writing a book. And I had to remind myself of that when I was in those woe is me moments, because I, I'm not going to lie, man, I experienced a little bit of an existential crisis, like mm -hmm. around the book. I would get frozen a couple times, especially like like, you know, you should be working on the book. But it's like, I'm going to go take a nap instead. You know what I mean? It's like at the Naval Academy. Where you got all, <laughs> you know, you got all that homework to do. You got right? tomorrow. You're like, I need to prep. And you're just like, I'm just going to go take a nap. I just need to pause. I also call it, what is it? Productive procrastination. Yeah. I will do everything else productive under the sun other than what I'm trying not to do. <laughs> you know what it is? You take your eye off like the work, right? Mm -hmm. So you start focusing so much on like the book instead of like just writing 30 minutes a day. And yeah. it happened to me, this happened to me in 2018 when I, 2019, when I first joined the Lions Pride, because I went to Jackson Hole for our quarterly planning event. I got all fired up. And then I came back to Newark and realized like, yo, I have to build this thing up, you know? Yeah. And at the time I felt like a guy standing at the base in a pile of rubble who's supposed to build a pyramid. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. so if you like stress out, like, how am I going to do it? Da, da, da. Instead of just moving one stone at a time, right? You're never going to do it. With the book, as the deadlines kept approaching, I felt like I was staring at a pile of rubble. And I'm like, yo, I got to turn this into a book. And so that's where the existentialism started to come in. You start to, what am I doing? Woe is me. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. What are people going to think? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where most people don't finish their books. Because they're, they're so focused on perfection and how they're going to be perceived by their peers that they prioritize the the thing. They, they don't prioritize the one thing that matters the most, which is getting the first book published. Right. Yeah. So they'll hold on to this baby, you know, nourish it for like five or 10 years and then never get a book out versus me. I'm like, look, I'm a grunt. There might be a little grammar <laughs> issue in there. You know, <laughs> if anything looks like it was rushed, it's because it was. You know, I said this way, you know, I tell myself, what is the why behind the book? Like we're really helping people mm -hmm. and we're helping our tribe. And I would like to think if there's something little like a typo or something yeah. that like that's not going to let them take away from what we're doing. The larger and literally the larger framework, the larger purpose and the larger lessons throughout the whole book. And I completely agree with you. You know, I struggle with that, though, because I was like down to the wire trying to like, oh, my, Mike, I want to format this, format that, got to do this, got to do that. But I, I appreciate that approach and that that wisdom that you bestowed. It's like, you just got to get it out there, Alana. You just got to get it done type of thing. And that's, we miss so many opportunities in life because we don't do that. And I really appreciate that about you and setting that example is you just got to, you just got to do it. I think it hit a new level of confidence for me too. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I for, mind you, we wrote the book. We're over. Me and a lot have been over the book because there's a whole back end we're not going to talk about. We're going to let them make it. But like, again, like, there's a lot that goes into it beyond just, you know, writing the book. You got to get yeah. it uploaded. You got to do all this other stuff. You got to price it. And it's just super tedious on top of everything else I got going on. Right. 
But at the end of the day, I know I can write a book, right? I know yeah. how to write a book. I'm like all the, I mean, even still, I catch myself, right? I probably listen to like 15 audio books on writing, mm-hmm. but like really just writing every day, right? For like 30 minutes, an hour, just sitting your butt down and writing is how you write a book. And then you get someone like Alana to look over your shoulder, you know, add her flavor. Because one of the things that she really helped with, I think about stories, right? Remember when I sent you the first stuff and you were like, I think we need to make it more story driven. Yeah, I do. Because it was too much just like, you know, we remember through stories, right? Let's be honest. Black and brown people, humans in general, like people remember stories. So you were like, Mike, you got to be more story driven. You got to be more story driven. You got to be more story driven. And so having you add story into it, you know, having me add the frameworks, I feel like it finally started to um, uh, to move in the right direction. Yeah, it really did. And it, it's, like I said earlier, that balance of, it makes it more robust. Because if, if we just wanted to lay out several frameworks of something, I mean, we could have printed 10 pages of a to-do list for someone and that could have been it for the book. But it's so much more than that. And uh, that's real important. And I'm glad that we we addressed that and we took the time to do that with passion and with care and put it out there. Was there anything that surprised you in terms of the content? Because I was like, all right, Alon, we're going to write this book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. But as it starts to come together and you start to, you know, um, take the ideas out of my head and get them down on paper, mm-hmm. like, did it catch you off guard? Were you surprised anything? I wouldn't say surprised or caught off guard. What I appreciated was your story. Because obviously we've been friends, like we said, <laughs> after a year of first meeting, we became friends. But And I know a lot of stuff about you just over the years, but there's just details that I didn't know. And for me, it was more of a preview even deeper into your mindset and your thought process on how you did things and how you accomplished things. And I appreciate your transparency on even how you failed and how, you know, through not struggling, but through your challenges and trying to build Ironbound Boxing, to me, just the turnaround on how you, from all of that, which was a journey for you, that you were then exponentially quicker on being able to grow Ironbound Media, like astoundingly so. And like that was, the whole book is proof in the pudding of the frameworks that you've learned and that you've implemented yourself and that you've consolidated and brought together. But to me, like anybody reading that book, that's the instance and the standpoint and where they really should feel that, that, wow, this took how many years? And he he got to it and that's awesome and powerful because he hustled, he grinded that out. But then, wow, look at that application to Ironbound Media and how you've been able to scale that in, like, it was less than a year. Like, what? Like, that's just, that was impressive. So nothing surprised me and nothing like, anything like that. It was nothing but positive on, like, I was more impressed with you than I already am. And um, I know other people will be, too, and will also learn a lot. It's just the compound effect. That's the best way I can describe it. Right? <laughs> like, you know, like, you know what? But I again, so Jim Collins, once again, he has this thing called return on luck, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh man, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. 
me and you can get the same amount of luck, but it hits with me different. I'm not saying you, Alon. I'm saying just yeah, no, yeah, in general, yeah. Some Audience, people take yeah. the luck and run into the end zone. Other people just kind of hold on to it. So it's more about like, how can you make that return on luck? And I did a lot of things right. You know, I invested mm-hmm. in a business coach. You know, I had learned the hard way. I put myself out there. So when it came time to launch Ironbound Media, I had a lot of pattern recognition. I had a support structure to mm-hmm. get going a lot quicker than I did when I got my DD214 and moved to Newark. Talk about I'm going to start a boxing gym. And so <laughs> in the book, I tell the whole story around that. But again, what separates this book from others is a lot of business books will have like this core idea at the beginning. And mm-hmm. then they just, the book is just a repeated of the same idea over and over, right? That's and just saying it book. in different ways, really. Right, yeah. that's not this book. I tell my story in like the first chapter and then the rest of the book is about a framework, a particular framework, and then a story as an example. Particular framework and a story. And so I think it finished at like 19 chapters or something. And so there's a lot gonna... of different frameworks in there. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking of that earlier. I was like, how many chapters did we end up? And I couldn't quite remember, but I think it was 19 or 20. Yeah. We read this book so much, y'all. Like, I even, I'm over <laughs> it, bro. Like, I think I might get the book. I might not even read it, to be honest. It's going to go on my shelf back here. But, like, I'm over it because, again, you go through it. You got to make changes and edits. And it's just like, uh, but we're going to make it. Now, here's the funny thing, right? When even back when we came up with the idea for the newsletter, I was mm-hmm. like, a lot, my, the way I brand, I, I don't want to call myself like a peacock. You know, people that are just always standing out, but it's just part of my personality. When people go left, I tend to go right. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I got this idea for like the superhero kind of comic for the yeah. book cover. This is and really Alana right. was like, what? No. Right. I like, <laughs> Literally, me. I said, Mike, nah. I was like, I got this idea. Trust me. Then I came back with the cover and I sent it to her and she was like, yo, this is fire. And I feel like that's when you saw the vision. It, it was. And I was actually talking to Drew about that. Um, and I mentioned it in our newsletter when we announced or when we shared with everyone the book cover before we put it out on social media or anything. And yeah, that's the story. It's like where Mike is bold. I am simple, minimalist. I like clean lines, all this other stuff. I just want to keep it simple. And uh Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget the. It was one of the first ones that you sent me though, and I was like, Mike, I'm really, yeah, I'm not here with you. And I think I said, I was like, I don't love it, yeah, but actually, I don't like it, <laughs> yeah. But when you sent that first purple one, oh yep. man, with the bubbles and like it just it looked, it looked like a comic, and I love Marvel, so like, just seeing it come out as a comic comic book. And then one of our intro quotes is superheroes don't exist, but you do like just months of your ideas that you were putting out there that I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess, okay. It all came together in that first version. And it was like, like you said, it was like, now I see it. I absolutely see it. And, uh, you know, I was behind it a thousand percent after that. I, I love it. I love the cover. I, th- I think my mindset is, one, just in terms of branding, right? There's so much vanilla out there in the world already, mm-hmm. right? Um, and branding is about being memorable. You know, when you see it, you can't unsee it, yeah. right? And so for me, I was just thinking like, okay, we're trying to reach a demographic that hasn't been represented before, right? Like I want black veteran entrepreneurs to see this book and be like, God made this for me. Like that's what I was going <laughs> for, right? That idea like, 
And I tell this with my podcast clients when they're talking about cover art. I'm like, imagine your podcast is a book cover. Your cover mm. art is a book cover. And you're at the Barnes and Nobles in New York City, Times Square, the Mecca. And there's like, you know, stacks. There's like five or six floors of books in there, right? Your perfect reader, your perfect listener is walking in, the, walking in that Barnes and Nobles. What is going to make him stop and say, that's for me? And yeah. pick that book up off the shelf. And so that's how I was thinking about it, like, in terms of the internet, right? There's so much stuff out there, right? And so I was like, yo, I want to write a book that, like, grabs their attention and makes them feel appreciated. So, like, we don't really talk about superheroes in the book. But, I mean, like, that's the no. quote. I yeah. mean, I do reference superheroes, I think, in the category design uh, ch chapter. But mm -hmm. it's more of uh, implying. Like, I want black veteran entrepreneurs to feel like they're superheroes right that they're exactly yeah and i like that the the my sister i i shared it with her and i hadn't told her about the superheroes don't exist but you do part of it and she was like i really i like it it looks like you know it's like the old school pow ping pow when they used to do those in um the old shows and stuff and she's like it looks like a comic book and then like a superhero thing. And that's when I told her, I was like, that's exactly what it is. And this is the one of the first lines that we have in there. I was like, so you perfectly, you perfectly led into exactly what we were trying to um, show people. But like you said, it doesn't necessarily run throughout the whole book, but it's the introductory thing. It grabs you with the cover. You open that, you see that. And it's like, wow, BVEs, look at us. We're superheroes. And I, I really love... Like you planted that creative seed real early in our conversations. And it's just really cool to see how that developed and how it all came together. And, um, and what's crazy is obviously I'm an avid reader. So I know walking throughout Barnes and Noble, like what captures my attention and what doesn't. But man, it was hard to break my personality set <laughs> when it comes to simple things. <laughs> it's funny, like the book designer. So I went through my own designer, Drew. Shout out to Drew from the design company. Drew's awesome. I appreciate That's you, my Drew. Guy. Right. The, the the publishing company sent us the designs. I was like, no, I'm gonna go to Drew. Right. <laughs> Drew, Drew came back with a fire. They were like, because most people in the program, you know, one of my mentors, a guy that even told me I should write a book, Black Fred Entrepreneur, his name is Christopher Lockhead. And he's the king of category design. And one of the things he talked about is there's this whole me disease now. Right. Mm. How like people just love putting their faces on the cover of books and on the cover of everything, yeah. right? It's all about them. It's less about the idea and it's all about them. And one of the things he says is like, you see a lot of authors when they first come out, right? They'll have like the title of the book as big, but as they get more, um, as they gain more and more uh, acclaim and stuff, their names just get bigger, bigger and bigger, right? Mm. So you see the cover of the book, it's just a giant like Iron Mike Stedman, whatever. <laughs> the book is Black Veteran Entrepreneur, my story is dribbled throughout it, but honestly, like, it ain't a me book, right? I, like, highlight a lot of black veteran entrepreneurs in the book. It's a you book, right? I'm just trying to bring attention to black veteran entrepreneurs. I want them to feel great because at the end of the day, we ain't getting a lot of venture capital, right? Yeah. It is what it is, and I'm on that be so good they can't ignore you tip. And yep. one thing that is really powerful, and I've even been thinking about this, of like, yo, the ability to read, write, create content like, I can't cut checks yet to invest in people, but I can educate them as best I can, and they can take that and run with it. And who knows? You know, that's why I read so many books, because I get so many gems. How much is a gem worth if it changes your life? Like, how much um, how much value do you place on that? 
And so I think about my own journey, this idea of a creator, right? But yeah. not this like, oh, creator economy b- bullshit that everybody's spreading, which is real. <laughs> but I just view the internet more as like a canvas, you know? Yeah. And so I can write and I can share thoughts in like a positive way, but not necessarily like everything is not necessarily focused on like monetization of me. You yeah. know, it's just me sharing my thoughts. That's why on LinkedIn, when I write, I'm practicing in public, y'all. So I've been writing a lot in public. Sometimes I talk about entrepreneurship. Sometimes I write about the alchemists. I post, you know, I'm probably going to be writing about Fred Hampton here soon. You know, I just write about a bunch of different stuff. And that's just, that's just, that's, that's how I am. Cause I don't want to be a hack either. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to write about the same idea 15,000 times, just like this podcast line when I talked about being a black Marine officer, I got it off my chest. And then I want to talk about other stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to have, and even though the downloads were going up and up, I just didn't want to talk about that forever. Right. Like I didn't want to belay, belay the point. You know, there's other things that I want to talk about. And so that's why I'm excited to continue this writing journey. Well, I like what you said about investing. There's there's multiple ways you can invest in people. And you'll get to the point, obviously, where you're going to invest monetarily in people. But we can't underestimate the power of knowledge and experience. And also then the invaluable combination of the two. And that's exactly what the book is doing, is giving people the power of your experience and also knowledge, and you put that together, and that's a, a huge investment right there into exactly what I've always appreciated, like your approach and how you do things is lift as lift as we climb. You always say that, and you always say, "Alana, I don't have a I don't have a scarcity mindset." Like in everything we've talked about, and be the transparent when it comes to the finances or royalties or all this other stuff, or you know where we open this or where we open that, the business or what it falls under, anything, you're always like, Alana, I I have an abundant mindset. I don't have a scarcity mindset. And I lift as I climb, we lift as we climb. And that's just been, you do that. You do that in everything that you do in this book is just another representation of that. So now that this book is almost over the line, right? We still got to, you know, it's going to drop. We got to market it. I got to sign and all that other stuff, right? (laughs) Especially those of you that supported a pre-campaign, we appreciate you get a signed copy of the book but in terms of your writing and editing journey what's next for you Ooh, my you put me on the spot (laughs) so i was accepted this past year to columbia and so um i'm very excited about that i'm very excited the things i'm learning columbia's journalism program and so i was able to defer because i wasn't going to be out in time this year with you know the the slowdown that was going on with medical boards and retirement and stuff and so I was able to defer to next year. And what I'm going to be doing during this time frame is I'm going to be helping people. I'm going to be telling stories. I'm going to help people tell their stories. And I'm going to tell stories to help people. And uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to do. I am going to, by using all the lessons that I discussed um, today that you taught me as far as just just getting started. Get that shitty first draft out there. You know, have an idea on Thursday, launch on Friday, see if it's valid. Quiet that imposter and all of that. I am going to be launching a social impact network called Evergreen. Doing exactly what I said uh, just before as far as helping people, telling stories and so on. And um, I'm really excited about that. I think I do truly believe in the power of our stories and the power of it for ourselves and the power for others. 
And there's so many different forms that I can do that. And there's so many different forms I'm going to do that. And so that's what's next for me. It sounds very broad, but I have very specific thoughts about it, but I'm not going to spend the next six hours (laughs) taking everybody through my plan. It's all right, man. Sometimes you got to throw the snowball down the mountain and let it roll and get bigger, right? That's hey, why that's, you don't be afraid to start, you know, because you got to let the idea grow and uh, nourish it. For me, there's, here's the conundrum, right? Okay. I want to be the number one brand strategist and business coach mm. for better known businesses. And I have an idea for my next book to be Dog Whistle Branding, yes. which is, you know, a no BS guide to marketing and branding and category design for better known businesses. It's like the positioning uh, guide. For the veteran community, right? And I have my podcast, Dog Whistle Brandon, so I can reach out and get some really, um, some brands that I want to discover because I use that for research. So people I want to reach out and touch and talk to. Mm-hmm. But in Mike Stedman fashion, okay. not being a hack, right? Like I want to write a novel, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've already tested myself on the nonfiction side of the house. And again, my book ain't perfect, right? It's, it's far from it, but, you know, I'm going to get better the more I write. But there's something about when I see a novel, I'm like, I think I can do it. Right. And so I haven't said this publicly yet, but I'm thinking through potentially writing in public on this platform, Confessions of a Native Son, as I try to bring this novel to life. And Mm so let me set it up for y'all. Initially, Confessions of a Native Son was going to be those collection of nonfiction essays. But I want to turn the book into a novel that tells the story of a black Marine officer and his four black roommates as they deal with the death of an unarmed black man killed on national television by police while they're all on active duty. So that's the A story, right? Dealing with this death. And the B story is the protagonist's journey of maintaining, the the protagonist's journey of obtaining his internal locus of control. Because I think a lot of us as black people, and I've had this shift, right? Like just focusing on what I have control over and I, I talk about that in my my episode on breaking the chains. But I think as black people, we can spend a lot of our life feeling like we don't have control. You know, that like life is happening to us. Yeah. Right. Versus saying, you know, no matter how bad things can get, I don't got to live my life on defense. Mm. I can go on offense. Right. Yeah. I have a stake in the outcome. And so I want to tell that story. And within it, I'm projecting a lot of my own story. And the cool thing I think I could do with the book is we had the Newark race rise in 67 over the death of John Williams, a black taxi driver. And I want to bring John Williams into the modern day and I want to mix him a little bit with George Floyd. So I want to create the George Floyd incident here in Newark. That's a trigger for the Marine Corps to be like, yo, what are we going to do? What are we going to say, et cetera, while these black officers like, what are they going to do with the black officers, you yeah. know, and how they're processing this on active duty, right? So that's like a high level, kind of like the spook who sat by the door, how the book opens with the CIA, like, we need to integrate the services. I mean, we need mm-hmm. to uh, uh, bring a black agent into the CIA. And so I really just want to focus on this black officer and his roommates as they're dealing with this and writing different stories. I got a really dope scene I already wrote, you know, where this Marine, the character, the protagonist is standing duty with one of his Lance Corporals, right? Mm-hmm. And the Lance Corporal asked him what it's like to be a black officer. And I wrote mm. out the whole scene. So that's the direction I'm kind of going with it. I don't know if I'm going to commit to building it in public here. That's just an mm-hmm. idea I have, but I'll probably do it because I'm a quick start. So that's what I'm going to be working on behind the scenes is uh, 
Confessions of a Native Son, the novel, and I want to get a first draft out, you know, I would say as soon as possible, just because yeah. the longer, you know now, right? The longer you drag with it. Yo, right? the longer you take, the longer it takes. <laughs> yeah, so I just need a good first shitty draft that I can get out and we can start working through. And Alana's already been playing around with some stuff. So that's what I'm thinking. Writing that novel and continuing to write every day in public, either on LinkedIn, Google, you know, my newsletter. Like I write every day on the Internet. So um, be on the lookout for that. I think that's I just want to highlight how powerful that is, because it makes me think about we've had these conversations on a national scale a lot with George Floyd and everything that happened and people paying attention more. But one place where the conversation has been touched upon, but it's not really had in depth, it's had through a mandatory training where everyone signs in and we check in the box, is in the military. And this is an awesome place for you to be able to really dig into that conversation and for people to be exposed to that and let's like have a little bit more depth when it comes to that. And I appreciate you sharing your actual next project because I glossed over what I was saying. Again, that imposter syndrome, that little fear that kicks up when saying something. So I was actually just typing it right before we came on and I was gonna set aside, I was gonna set a two hour timer today and just sit and start writing something that's been on my heart for a while now, but I've just continued to put off doing other projects that productive procrastination. And I was thinking about launching it as a newsletter. Since I'm getting out, I just really been thinking about my career, reminiscing about the challenges, the high points, the things that, you know, I experienced that shouldn't have happened because that's the culture of the Navy and the military for a black woman and just discussing it all. And then also my journey with, um, my health and being diagnosed with stage four endometriosis and the tail end of my career being my battle with the Navy medical system as a black woman going through a gynecological issue and the struggles and battles of that and all the things I saw behind the scenes that are not okay with that process culturally. And um, I was going to, I was thinking about doing it as a newsletter and I still may do that reminiscing part of my career and then touching upon things and giving my thoughts to those experiences. But then I was like, this, no, this can be a collection of essays in a book. And I will want to call it Fair Winds, a woman's story on race and gender in the Navy. And it be a collection of essays, some of the stuff that I touch upon the newsletter, but to discuss the balance of not only race, being black, gender, being a woman, but also being a black woman and how that comes together in this whirlwind of a storm in the military and um, and then also the health piece as well. So it's new, fresh in my mind. I got to put a lot of the stuff down on paper, but that's going to be my next me project. Um, and I'm excited about that. And I'm excited I just shared that. And like you said, I'm going to throw that snowball down there. And we're just going to let it roll. Man, I've I've shared so much stuff on this podcast. I don't even know if I've done it, right? But I think, again, I think audio is the future of publishing. Mm. And I think as long as, like, once you it start... Hurts, it hurts my heart, Mike. 
<laughs> no, what I just meant is you get stuff out and now it's yeah. almost like it's on paper. So it is yeah. down somewhere that you said you were going to do this. Supported. So it's yeah. in the universe. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Instead of just kind of keeping it here. And even going back to writing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. There's a guy named Derek Shivers. He started a company called CD Baby. He sold it. Now he just writes essays and things. And one of the things mm -hmm. he talks about is like, you know, you lose titles if you don't keep earning it. And so like, I don't, imposter syndrome, I'm like, we're, we're writers. You know, we are authors. Like that we is a title writers. we can yes. use, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and it's like, damn, it's like, well, how do I introduce myself now? Because they're like, Mike, what do you do? Well, I do a lot of stuff. That's why I was like, Renaissance man. Um, but like, he talks about an essay though. Like if you don't, you, you can lose the title if you don't mm. use it. Right. Yeah. So that's why I got to write. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to write every day so I can stay sharp. I can get better. And I'm going to put it out. I'm putting it out right now. I think the idea for Confessions of a Native Son, if I can pull it off, I think that's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel because mm. we've never heard the perspective. Like that scene with the black, the, the black officer and the Lance Corporal where he asked him what it's like being a black officer. Where have you ever heard that ever? Like in life? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's what, uh -huh. that's what I'm you speak, speak that, say that. I like what you said about putting stuff out there. It's out. It's published. Yes. So as we wrap up here, Alana, this is your, this is really her second time on my podcast. We have another interview where we're doing some stuff before that we never release, but the book is not out yet, but it will be this month. Right. So I will yeah. drop a link um, when that happens. But what do you want to leave our listeners with? Because they're hearing us. You know, they're like, damn, y'all came together. Y'all wrote this book. I think that's super mm -hmm. dope. God knows what people got going on in their own lives with inflation and, you know, mental health and all this other stuff. But, yeah. you know, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? I want to leave, I keep on using a certain phrase and it's because it's important to me, but it's the power of a story, the power of your story. And I would just tell everyone there's power in their story. And it's not even a story that you necessarily, you have to share with other people, but a power that you can maybe recognize. And I hope you do recognize for yourself. And also I would say, pay attention to the story that you tell yourself, that inner narrative, that self-talk, because there, that is the most powerful story you have and the most powerful telling of it is what you're telling yourself. And so make sure that's a story that's reflective of all the goodness of who you are, all that you're capable of, all that you've accomplished, all that you've done. Make sure it's the right and good story to keep you continuing on in your story. Alana, I appreciate you. Appreciate you for partnering with me on this book. Appreciate you for coming on the podcast today. Um, I'm excited to see where we're going to go. This is the one. This is the first of many books. We're just getting it started. Is. We're just getting warmed up. And to all our listeners, man, thank y'all so much for listening to the show, showing love and supporting this book campaign. And uh, Alana, where can people reach out to you at? I'm at Alana M. Abernathy on Instagram. That's where you can reach me. You can shoot me an email at mikeweareironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at ironmikestedman. Give a shout out to my organization, Ironbound Boxing. We're a nonprofit here in Newark, New Jersey that provides free amateur boxing training, entrepreneur education, and employment opportunities to Newark youth and young adults. Also got to give a shout out to my brother from another mother, 
Mr. Mike Lloyd and the Dope Coffee team down <laughs> in Atlanta. Make sure y'all head over to www.realdope.coffee and place your order today. We are creating coffee for the culture. They're marauder dies. Been with Mike in Afghanistan. Been with him through all things Ironbound Media. And uh, again, we can't just talk about lifting as we climb if we're not actually doing it. So I appreciate y'all. If y'all would help with it, head over there and show them some love. And uh, when I get the book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, up on Amazon, I'll record another episode, let y'all know, and uh, have the link there. But until next time, peace, love. Do have it, a great rest it, of your week, everyone. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't have feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase our dreams, black man, and get that cream, black